Well, I'm excited. We are going to dive into week two of a series uh, called Boundaries. We're talking about people and relationships and how to manage the people and relationships in our lives. Pastor Whalen got us kicked off last week with some great ideas around, we need a boundary in our lives around community, right? We need to do life together, not do life alone. And so I hope you're finding your way into a small group. And if you haven't done that yet, uh, hop online, True Life Dive Church forward slash groups, or open the True Life Church app, or stop by the info desk, or fill out a connection card. We'd love to come alongside you, help you find a group. I, I know in a church our size, um, now I just want you to hear my heart on this. When I, every, every semester when I look at the list of groups we're offering, I just want you to know I'm never satisfied. Um, I always think, man, we need more. We need more groups. We need more opportunities for people to connect and, and be in community uh, with each other. And so if you look at the list of groups and you're thinking, man, there's nothing there that really grabs me, uh, that is the Holy Spirit's way of telling you, you need to get plugged in and learn how to be a group leader so that you can create a group for people like you. Can I get an amen? Can I get an Amen. Come on, existing group leaders, can I get an amen? All right, so um, we, we'd love for you to do that. If you haven't been to Life Track yet, jump into that process and figure out, hey, like, this is, is this my church family? Should this be home? And take those next steps towards uh, building community with others. So uh, we're gonna dive into week two of this series. Let me give you just a little background on why, we, why we're doing this series and why we named it Boundaries. Um, normally, this time of year, we would do a series on marriage and family uh, relationships and we would try to equip you and, and all of that. Uh, over the last year and a half or so, really over the last year, I've been having a lot more conversations with single people. Um, there are more single people in our church than probably any of you realize. And um, some are young and single, some are later in life and they're single again. Didn't expect to be, either through uh, a, a relationship that didn't work out or through um, something else, something painful or tragedy, what, whatever the case may be. But there, there are quite a few, and, um, and it, it's become a, real to me how, man, if you come to church for six weeks and hear somebody talk about uh, a season of life that you're not in, that can actually kind of feel really alienating and make you feel not seen. And so we kind of thought, well, what if we, what if we could build a series around some relationship tools that everybody needs, no matter what season of life you're in, that will serve you well, single, married, or anywhere in the, in the midst of dating and finding a person to spend your life with, all that kind of stuff. And um, one of the things I know now after 11 years of leading this church, over 20 years of doing ministry is people are terrible at boundaries. Amen. <laughs> one of you gets it. <laughs> the rest of you were afraid to say how you really feel. <laughs> Come on, how many know we're, we're kind of bad at boundaries? Can I get an Amen. We're, we're bad at this, and, um, and actually the Bible has a lot to offer, a, a lot to help us with uh, when it comes to boundaries. And so we're going to learn how to, uh, over, the, over the next few weeks, we're going to learn how to establish some guidelines in our lives for having health within ourselves and in our relationships. And I want to start with a, a passage that Pastor Whalen shared with us last weekend when he was here, Matthew twenty two thirty six. One of the religious leaders comes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And of course, Jesus replied, you must, everybody read the yellow words with me, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Everybody read it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two Commandments. Uh, I love that picture that we got last weekend when Pastor Whalen took the Bible, took the scriptures, and hung it over these two principles, these two ideas. And so I was kind of thinking about that this week and kind of chewing on it. And I thought, you know, we don't, we don't talk enough about how this is not like a, a one-stop, flip-the-light-switch kind of moment. Like, you don't have a moment where you just say, you know what? I love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, my mind. Done. Settled. Finished. And you certainly don't have a moment where you're like, you know what, I just love everyone. <laughs> I'm just so good at it. Just love them all. Come on, some of you felt some, the opposite of love just trying to get here this morning, right? Some of you are not even sure you love the person you rode to church with. Like, there's blood spatter inside your car right now. It was bad. It was ugly on the way to church. Come on. 
It's, how, many, how many of us would agree that the process of loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind and the process of learning to love people is a never-ending, ongoing journey? And it's work. Yay. Come on, it's work. It's work. And so out of that, we end up with like these churchy, one-liner statements that we make, right? These, these cliche-type statements that are, that are based in truth, and we've said them here, and uh, I, bet, I bet you know some of them. When we think about people and relationships and boundaries, um, and, we, and we use these to kind of help explain away the damage that's being done or to help us understand what's really happening. So let me see if you all can help fill in some of these. You, you've probably heard this one. Hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. Uh, and then, of course, you got to have the redemption side of that, right? So healed people, healed people, healed people, healed people. I think those, both of those things are true. Uh, but I have another one for you this morning that I kind of want you to think about. Before I get to it, I, I want to I put a statement on the screen, and then I just need a little, a little audience participation, a little congregational participation. Uh, I want to see how many of us, uh, if this were a true or false statement, we would say, this is, this is true of me, all right? So just, let's just read this. I desire healthy people and healthy relationships in my life. How many of y'all would say, true statement, I would like to have healthy people and healthy relationships in my life. Some of you are not raising your hands. Some of you are like, no, I really like the dysfunction. I'm just, that's my lane. I'm just gonna stay in my lane. I'm just gonna keep having political arguments on Facebook and Come on, one more time. How many of y'all would like to have healthy, let me say it this way, how many of y'all would like to have more healthy people and healthy relationships in your life? Right, okay, of course, all, all of us would. And I, I love what Pastor Wayland talked about last week, the, the, the difference between building negative community around something versus positive community around something. They gave that funny illustration of being at the checkout line at, at a Walmart and just complain and see how many people join you in complaining. So let, I'll just, because it's easier for all of us to connect, let me give you the negative community version uh, of this statement. How many of y'all would like to have less drama in your life? How many of y'all would like to have less drama and less dysfunction? Everybody's like, yes. In fact, some of you are thinking about names right now. You're beginning to pray in the spirit and intercede for the drama that somebody else is, is causing. Less drama, less immaturity, and so here's the thing that I kind of want you to think about, though. I, I've, I have found, at least for myself, and I think this is probably true for most of us, it's, it's easier for me to fix someone else than it is to fix myself. Anybody else found that to be true? It's easier for me to notice what's wrong with someone else than it is for me to notice what's wrong with me. And you're like, why did I come today? <laughs> I wasn't sure. And I know some of you are waiting for me to gloat about the, the Super Bowl last week. Not going to happen. It's not how I roll. In fact, I want, well, I, here's the only thing I'll say. If you're a fan of any NFL football team, we all share the same problem today. Withdrawal. Like, what are we going to do this afternoon? This is a problem. I don't know what to do. I'm kind of a little worried about it. Come on, football fans. Come on, we, we, now we, have, we all have something in common. Can I get an amen? I knew some of you were waiting for it, but I'm not doing it. I'm bigger than that. Um, so here's, here's a new one-liner for you today, because all, all of us, I think all of us said, I would like to have more healthy relationships and people in my life. Cool, then what you need to think about is this. I have found that healthy people attract healthy people. So you've been married for 10 years and you're like, dang it. Healthy people attract healthy people. Have you ever noticed that that's true? And conversely, unhealthy people attract unhealthy people. You say, Michael, what are you talking about? I thought we were going to talk about boundaries. I thought you were going to tell, tell me how to, how to handle all the dysfunctional people in my life, and how do I, how do I guard all of that, and, and how, what do I do with my in-laws, and how do I manage all of that? And, and, and we're going to get there over the next couple of weeks, but here's the thing. You actually aren't going to be able to set healthy boundaries for other people in your life unless you can manage boundaries for yourself first. And if you want to be able to have healthy relationships and healthy people, if that's what you want in your life, 
then you're going to have to be willing to take the journey inward to figure out, hey, like what parts of me are kind of a mess? What parts of me is, is the redemption story that, that God wants for me not completely played out yet? What, what am I still holding on to? What hurt or pain from my past? And, and of course, the question here is, is then how do we define healthy? Like what's the finish line? Who's healthy and who isn't? It's kind of hard to gauge, isn't it? So here's where I've landed on this. There is no finish line. There is no there. Come on, y'all. What there is, though, is the determination to pursue health. To be a person who says, you know what? I am not gonna be satisfied with where I find myself today. I'm gonna take personal ownership of my own development, my own emotional health, my own mind. I'm gonna get in the scriptures. I'm gonna see what God has to say for me. And I know that I'm not perfect today, but I'm not gonna be the same person tomorrow that I was today. Can I get an amen, everybody? And here's where healthy, you know the finish line? I'm gonna give you the finish line. It's heaven. Heaven is where you'll finally be like, I'm, I'm all good. I'm done. There's no more me work to do. How many of y'all looking forward to that? You know, I always joke, like, heaven me is so ripped. <laughs> so ripped. Six pack, awesome biceps. Heaven me is the finished total package, right? I tell my wife all the time, like, just imagine heaven me, baby. <laughs> Look how good that God has been to you. All right, so. <laughs> hey, so like this is important to understand because we can't really get the most out of our relationships in our lives without looking at ourselves first. Which is honestly not that much fun, is it? But we need to. It's why, why Jesus encouraged us. He's, he said, look, we're all kind of, we all have this default setting to, to look at others, to measure others. In fact, what we tend to do is we judge others on our values, but we judge ourselves on our intentions, and that's kind of a problem. And Jesus says, hey, you, you gotta be careful. Don't, don't judge others, and then you won't be judged, amen? For you're gonna be treated as you treat others, and the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. He says, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log? I just think that's such a funny visual of like, He says, you've got a whole stinking log in your eye, and how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the, the log in your own? Can I just, can I be transparent with you this morning as your pastor? I, Michael Smith, have an eye condition. I have a problem. I've been diagnosed with log eye. <laughs> I have log eye, and I think you have it too. I mean, I'm not sure. I can't totally see clearly whether or not you have it, because I have mine. But I'm, I'm relatively confident that all of us suffer from log eye. But our default is to look at everybody else. And especially in the world we live in right now, because if I were to survey the room, probably, probably 90% of you, 95% of you at some point in your life have been a victim of something. Something's happened to you. Somebody's done something terrible, said something terrible. You've been a victim. And then what the enemy of our soul loves to do is he loves to take the thing that caused damage or trauma in our lives and he loves to trap us in a victim mentality for the rest of our lives. Which then keeps you from ever dealing with the log in your eye. It keeps you from ever dealing with your own pain and your own maturity and your own emotional well-being and what you start doing is you just start noticing everything about everyone else that triggers all of the trauma all over again for you. Can I hear an amen, somebody? I know, because that's me. It's me. He goes on, he says, hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will, what? See well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. I just love this because all of us have been waiting for the opportunity to call each other hypocrites in church. And so this is your chance. This is, come on, isn't this awesome? Some, I've heard people say through the years, like I would be a part of the church if it weren't so full of hypocrites. But can I, can I tell you this morning, if there were no hypocrites, there would be no church. Like we wouldn't exist. 
Your pastor's a hypocrite. I'm just going to own it. I have law guy, and I'm a hypocrite. And so are you. Come on, this is your chance. Look at the person next to you, and with the, with the judgiest, most guilt-trippy voice, I want you to look at him and just be like, you hypocrite. Come on, tell him right now. This is your chance. You're a hypocrite. Yeah. Come on, get it out of your system. Get it out. Feels good, doesn't it? Feels good. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Love it when like once a year, my wife's like, hey, could you clean up your clothes? And then I find one of her shirts in the pile. I'm like, oh, what, what's that, huh? 364 days, it's mine, but today, you're messy. <laughs> how are you going to deal with, how are you going to deal with somebody else's issues if you're not being honest about your own? And how are you going to attract more healthy people and more healthy relationships into your life if you're not pursuing health in your own. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to help you with boundaries with other people. But first we have to figure out how do we create some boundaries for ourselves so that we can pursue health, so that we can pursue the life that God has for us. Because after all, there's really two options here. The enemy of your soul, his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says his purpose, Jesus says my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. Given the two options, how many of you would choose rich and satisfying? That's what God has for us. See, some of you are still like, eh. <laughs> Come on. How many of us would like to have rich and satisfying? Yeah, I mean, all of us, right? Of course we would. So uh, what I want to do is I want to try to help you with this. I want to dip back into something that if you were in our marriage conference last weekend, uh, you saw written, drawn out on a whiteboard. I'm not doing a whiteboard because you don't want me to draw or write anything. You'll have no idea what's going on. Uh, but I want to show you a graphic. It comes from this book. In fact, I have several books up here today. Um, I really need you all to go get books out of our info center so that we can make room for new ones and bring more resources. The only reason we haven't added some of these is because our shelves are full. Um, in fact, if you want a book, just take it. Just get it out of here. Um, our board will love that I said that. Um, this is by a guy by the name of Peter Scazzaro. It's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. The premise of this book is that you, you will not fully develop spiritually unless you are also developing emotionally. Like you gotta deal with your own junk or you cannot, you cannot progress into the life that God has for you. you and you gotta take ownership of it. So if anything I say today resonates with you, I wanna encourage you to pick up um, one or, or all of these books. There's another one uh, called Ruth, by Ruth Haley Barton called Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership, Seeking God in the Crucible of Ministry. It is kind of written to people who are leading ministry environments, but I think all of us are in ministry. 100% of us are in ministry. I, I get to do it vocationally, but when you go to work or school or wherever it is you go during the week, or if you're, if you're homeschooling your kids, whatever it is you're doing, can, can we all agree that's ministry? Hello? That's, that's ministry, all right? Um, and so it just, it's been really helpful to me. I'm a terrible reader, honestly. Um, at any given moment, I probably have 15 or 20 books that I've read one chapter of. Is anybody else? That's kind of how. And then every once in a while, I'm able to lock in. I, like I locked in last year on one called Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. And now I'm kind of locked in on this one. He actually wrote it earlier on. Same guy, John Mark Comer, wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it's so good. Uh, so healthy, but in, uh, so all of those, you know, we don't have them out there at the info desk right now. Hopefully, eventually, we can create some space and have these resources for you, but they're all on Amazon. They're all at Barnes & Noble. Um, go, go get them. If anything I say today resonates with you and you want to continue to do some work on your own, I think, obviously, the Bible, time with the Lord is your number one resource, but then God has gifted us with some other people who've already taken the journey, and we can learn from them as well. Amen? So I want to dip back into something that's it's actually in this emotionally healthy spirituality, uh, and I'm not going to draw it. I just stole the graphic, and it's called the stages of faith. And so if you look at this circle over here, this kind of breaks down the, the stages that we progress through 
as we learn to be disciples, followers of Jesus. And it begins with a life-changing moment, an awareness of God, a moment where you realize, oh my goodness, I need Jesus. I need to have a relationship with him. And, you, and so you surrender your life to him, okay? And so pro- probably the majority of us in the room have had that stage one experience. Then you begin the stage that we call discipleship. This is where you start learning things like, okay, I should, I should probably attend church regularly. Uh, I probably need some sort of community, some people in my life that, that love the Lord. Uh, I probably need to read my Bible and, and, and pray a little bit. And, and so you start building some of those discipleship habits. And then stage three, and I'm just going to be fully transparent with you, our church is perfectly designed to get you through stages one, two, and three. And now after 11 years, we're kind of realizing like, oh man, we've not done a great job of helping people move the rest of the way around the wheel. And so we're going to change. We're going to get better. Because for years, we've kind of operated in this idea that if we can get people to attend church, give their hearts to Jesus, then we'll put them on this conveyor belt called Life Track, which I still believe the tool works and it's helpful as a part of our discipleship journey. And then if we can get them to Life Track, get them to be members, get them to go to a small group, and get everybody to serve on Dream Team, then you'll pop out the other end of our Christian factory, a perfect little cookie cutter Christian. And guess what? Y'all keep coming out the other end of the factory still kind of a mess. And I'm still kind of a mess. So can we all agree that when we realize something's broken, we should fix it? So part of fixing it is for us to just have an honest conversation about this this morning because what happens to all of us in our, our stages of faith is eventually you will come to this place called the wall. And here's how you know if you're at the wall. You're having thoughts like, all this, like, it was so fresh and invigorating and alive to me at first, but now my faith feels like it's not really working for me. There's gotta be more, right? Is this it? Come to church, read my Bible, serve on the team? Like, is that it? There's gotta be more, right? And I I have questions and doubts. And why are things kind of the way they are? There's even some stuff in my Bible that I'm like, what? And why why does it seem to be so at odds with my own feelings sometimes? We get to the wall, and here's the really sad thing. Estimates are that in evangelical churches, and I hesitate to even use that title for true life. I hate using that word for true life because when you say evangelical, it gets tied to a whole bunch of sociopolitical garbage that we have worked really hard to keep ourselves out of at True Life Church. Can I hear an amen? Um, But from a doctrinal theology perspective, I guess, yeah, that's probably where we most closely fall if you have to put us in a category or under an umbrella. And the estimates are that, listen to this, you guys, 85% of Christians, 85% of us never move past the wall. We get here and our faith either stagnates or it dies. And so some of us will just keep going through the motions because we want to be a good Christian and we think that's what we're supposed to do, but secretly on the inside we're like, is this it? There's got to be more, right? And y'all, there is more. There's absolutely more. But to move past the wall, you have to do what, what they call the inward journey. Like, like Freedom Group kind of helps us begin this, but it's really more than that. Most of us, especially if you have significant trauma in your life, you're not gonna be able to do the inner, inward journey without some help. Like you probably need a therapist. Can we just normalize that? Y'all okay with that? Some of you are like, mm, not me, I'll be fine. I'll just I'll get a sledgehammer, I'll kill the wall. No, you won't. No, you won't. In fact, you'll think you're hitting the wall and you'll actually just be hitting everybody in your life that you love and care about and you'll destroy it. So there's an inward journey for us to take to kind of figure out like, what, what are the things that are in me that are, number one, they're, maybe they're sinful or they're not God honoring they're, or they're, they're negative thought patterns, but even more than that, what's the pain I've really never healed from? What's the trauma I experienced and how did that impact me? What are these questions I have about God and my faith and about doctrine and theology? And go to the place where you can wrestle with them. 
God gives us this, the Bible gives us this beautiful picture of Jacob, remember? Wrestling with the Lord. You know the Lord is okay. He is not afraid to wrestle with you. Now you're gonna come back with a limp, but he's not afraid to wrestle with you. Is that freeing for any of you? Some of you are like a little like, uh, I like, I don't know, can I just stick with my three? You can, but you're gonna miss out on the most beautiful part of walking with the Lord. Where you go deal with the real stuff that people said to you, things that happened to you, even, even kind of the religious environments and church cultures that maybe you grew up in, and so you, you just kind of form some thoughts and opinions about things because you just, isn't that how it is everywhere? And the truth is, sometimes what we operate in and assume is truth is not at all what God ever had in mind for us. Is this tracking? Or am I just freaking you out? You all okay? Okay, all right, you're good, all right. So we have to take the inward journey so that then we can take the journey outward from our inner, and so like now you kind of really have some understanding who I am, who God is, and you can get to this place where you're transformed by love, and when you're transformed by love, then you start serving and ministering and having an impact on the world around you, not out of obligation, but out of transformation. And then it's like, after all that God has done for me, I really don't know what else my response would be but to share that with everyone around me. Do you see the difference? It's actually this, it's this pursuit of health. And if the, if the assumption, the statistics are correct, then 85% of us in this room are sitting right here and we don't know what to do. And so I'm hoping that today, I don't think I can fix this for everybody in a Sunday, but I'm hoping today I can help you begin to take the journey here because the thing that you're really looking for, the thing that all of us really need is one word, it's clarity. The thing that you need to get moving past the wall is you need to begin to have some clarity in your life. I, I wrote down three, three areas that for me, like I need, I need clarity in these areas. I think they probably apply to all of us, but you might wanna spend some time this week with the Lord. With, I, I'm a fan of a journal. I sit with my journal and just process through everything the Lord is saying to me, everything I'm reading in the Bible or in whatever book I'm in. And I, I've, there's three areas that for me to continue to pursue health, I really need clarity in these three areas. I need clarity on who I am. I need clarity on who I am. I actually did some deep work around this uh, starting back in 2020. I didn't say this in the first service, but I feel compelled to say it here, so I'm just gonna say it. I went and did the, uh, I'd met my biological father at the beginning of 2020, um, first time in my life. And uh, my last name is Smith, his last name is Moore. My last name when I was a little kid was Wood from a previous marriage. Then my mom married and I took the last name of the guy who I grew up calling my dad, last name Smith. Then when I met my biological father, I saw that there was this generational pattern where the same thing had happened to him. And so he had three different last names that his last name could have been. I had multiple, I, I, I wrote them all down at one point, I had six possible last names that I could have ended up with. Seven if I count my stepdad. And I thought, well, that helps me understand why I've had so much time trying to figure out like, who the heck am I? Really? Like, who am I? And if you'll take that inward journey, eventually what you'll figure out is your last name doesn't determine who you are. God tells you who you are. You'll get to, your, which I always said and I knew was true in my head, but I hadn't fully experienced it in my soul. Are y'all tracking with me? And so there's, there was healing. In, and so I just, I need to constantly come back to God and just go, hey, God, give me clarity again on who I am. Because when I know who I am in you, all my security, insecurities subside, all, all of my all of my need to impress everybody goes away. I, don't, I can get rid of all the inferiority and approval addiction and all, all that stuff just kind of settles because I'm able to come to him and see with clarity, I know who I am. And now as I've set boundaries for myself and, and pursue health for myself, now I'm in a position where I can handle boundaries with other people a little better. In fact, if you'd have come to True Life Church during the first two, three, I'd say even the first five years, I, I led out of, can I just share my story with you? Is that all right? 
I don't want to make this about me, but I'm hoping it'll help you. I led out of so much insecurity. So like if you came to True Life and you were super dysfunctional and, and brought a lot of drama, I would give you a lot of time and energy and try to appease you because I was afraid you would leave my church at the detriment of the rest of the sheep. You see how jacked up that is? And it's not that I don't want somebody to be helped and healed and, and their hurts and their pains are real, but now, 11 years in, you roll up in here with drama, we're gonna love you, but you're gonna stay in the boundaries. Because there's other churches that are an option. Can I get an amen? Like, I'm not gonna have you running around here biting on all the other sheep. And I'm one of the sheep. Y'all know that, right? Jesus is our shepherd. We are all sheep. Pastors are an under-shepherd under the shepherd. Does that help you? So now I'm at a place where I can more easily identify, you know what, I'm, I'm not gonna operate in insecurity here. I'm gonna, I have to think about the whole, the whole family. What's God saying? What's, what's going on here? Y'all are just eerily silent. Are you worried that I'm talking about you? Are some of you like, he's gonna tell, I'm a bad sheep. No, no, I'm not talking about anybody in the room. I'm just telling you the experience that I've had as I, find, as I get clarity about who God says that I am and I want the same thing for you. Amen? Not only do I need clarity about who I am, but I also need clarity, I need to be reminded over and over again who God is. Like he's got it. He's in control. He's not freaked out. He's not worried. His, his plan is good and perfect. And I need clarity around what he's saying. So what I've learned is I need to have some rhythms, some boundaries in my life that help me slow down, step out of the busy, get my head out of the past, stop worrying about the future so that I can just be present with the Lord right now. And you know what happens when you do that? Clarity. When you can learn to be present with God right now, he can give you clarity. Say amen if you've ever experienced it. So I wanted to illustrate this for you a little bit this morning because I've got this, this uh, in the Midwest, we would call it a vase. Hey, go to the store and get me one of them vases for some flowers. That's what we would say where I grew up. I realize here we're much more educated, so this is a vase. It's a vase. State of Delaware, highest per capita PhD in the country. So all you doctors out there, this is the vase. And if this fits your home decor, you can have it for the same $12.99 I gave home goods for it. All right. So this is, let's just say this is you, this is me, this is our mind and our heart. Got some water inside of here, and I realize this glass kind of has some decorative effect to it, but can we all just agree for the most part that right now, this is clear. Clarity exists right here, right? This is clear. So this is you. you, you, you you'd like to have some clarity. The problem is you got some classes that you're taking, and that's adding a little bit of busyness and stress to your life. You, you've got a job that you're trying to figure out. You've you got to make money. You've got to pay bills. You're trying to figure that out. Then, then maybe, maybe you meet somebody and you get married. You're trying to figure out that relationship. So you add that in, into, the, into your life, into the mix. Then, then maybe you have a baby. Come on. Then you have another baby. <laughs> maybe you have another baby. <laughs> I'm assuming you like each other, all right? So... Then you try to figure out how to have a budget with babies, come on, with children in the house. Then, you're, then maybe you've got some, some emotional trauma or some, some stuff you're trying to work on to get healthy and, and you're trying to figure out, and, and, and I don't know what this one is, you just make up the thing in your life that has kind of caused you to, to have some stress or some, some things that are difficult to deal with. And then we take all of that, we add that into our lives, and then we start living, right? We start, we get busy in the activity of life and all the noise and we're working and we're, we're going to school and we're doing all this stuff. And where we used to have clarity, Man, it kind of just, kind of just feels like a mess, doesn't it? 
Anybody, anybody, can anybody identify with the swirling, noisy mess of the life that we live right now? And our culture, our society is perfectly designed for that. Just go, 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 run, 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 earn, 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 earn. Achieve, 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 achieve. Measure yourself against everybody else. And in this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer says this. He's a, he was pastoring a church out on the West Coast. He said, it hit me like a freight train. In America, you can be a success as a pastor and a failure as an apprentice of Jesus. Because I'm just going to let you into my world just a little bit. We're constantly fighting this, this tug, this draw towards like, how do I get it bigger? How do I grow more? How do I reach more? How do I get more people in the seats? How do, I, how do I see more people make decisions? How do we get more baptisms? More, 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 more. Bigger, 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 bigger. And then Lord help you if you start tying your income and your salary and you start living for the material in concert with all of that. It's kind of how we're wired, kind of how we're programmed. And y'all, I just need to be honest with you, like I'm so done with that. I'm so over it. If you were to sit in one of the staff meetings we have week after week, one of the things that you'll hear repeated over and over and over again by all of our team is, nobody here needs big. We need healthy. Now, if it's healthy and it gets big, fine. But we're not pursuing big. We're pursuing healthy. Are you okay with going to a church where that's how your leaders have decided to lead? Is that all right with you? Is that okay? That's what we're going to do. Because I'm not going to gain a church and lose my soul. I refuse. And so I thought, well, I know a lot of you, you don't work in vocational ministry. You're not pastoring anything. Maybe you're pastoring your kids, your family, but you, you don't have the same job description that I have. So I wonder what it would look like for you. And I, so I just left these blanks so that you could maybe to do this exercise this morning as well. Maybe the Holy Spirit would, would nudge your heart, whisper to you. What is the thing that you would put there? I can be a success as a teacher, entrepreneur, salesperson, landscaper, Gardener. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, what is the thing that you're in danger of? You could be a success as that and simultaneously fail to be an apprentice of Jesus. That you could gain what? Jesus says you could gain the whole world at the risk of losing your soul. And I don't want that for any of us. In fact, I think it's part of what Paul is trying to draw our attention to, warn us about, caution us about. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you do what? Think. This is, this is where most of the issues are. Then, hands up if you'd like to have clarity. How many would like to have clarity? Okay. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. What is that? It's clarity. Oh, this is what he wants to do with my life. This is what he had planned for me all along. This is why I keep wearing myself out chasing this thing and it never really seems to be fulfilling. Oh, I have clarity. Paul says you gotta figure out how to have some boundaries, some rhythms that let the Holy Spirit and the scriptures come in and straighten out your thinking, and because if you're doing it the world's way, if you're using the world's system of thinking, you're in trouble. If you're copying what you see everybody else doing, you're in trouble. If you want to move past the wall, you're going to have to take the journey inward and say, hey, God, show me this stuff in my mind that needs to be rewired so I can see the world the way you see it. You know, I love what Pastor Chris Hodges says. He says, most of us don't see the world the way it is. We see it the way we are. through the lens of all of our hurt and pain and experiences. And his will for you is good and pleasing and perfect. So we all said we'd like to have clarity, right? So what I wanna do is I wanna give you 
three boundaries, three rhythms. And I want you to be careful with this. Because we all have this tendency when we hear something taught or talked about in church, we all have this tendency to kind of turn it into a religious checklist, right? I don't want you to do that. I just kind of want you to think in terms of rhythms, ebb and flow, movement in your life. And I think if we can be intentional about three areas of rhythm in our lives, put some boundaries on three areas of rhythm in our life, we can, we can kind of position ourselves to experience the clarity that God has for us. I've got three. I'm going to move quickly through the first two because I think you're going to be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But then the third one we never talk about in church. And, and we have to. All right, so here's the first one. You, you need some body rhythms. I'm not talking about dancing. You don't want me to do that. You know, like all the cliches about white dudes dancing? I am those. It's so weird because I can play the drums. You would have thought some of it would have translated to the movement. It, it's bad. It's really bad. Really awkward. Now, my wife, she was like a cheerleader. She's got, she got all the moves. My son seems to have some too, but not me. I was left out. I did not get dance DNA. No, I'm, ta- I'm talking about how you, how you manage and care for your body. Now, depending on your previous kind of church experiences, the, your religious upbringing, you might even have like some really unhealthy thoughts about your body. I know I have, like just now kind of figuring them out. Because we, we, what we do is we uh, incorrectly and unintentionally conflate things that we see in Scripture. Like the Scripture warns us about our flesh and our carnality and our sin nature that wants to go and do things that wouldn't please God and that would lead to destruction and detriment in our life, right? So what we do then is we kind of, we go flesh, well that's body, right? Okay, so then, so a lot of us have this unintentional mentality that we've ended up with where we kind of go, oh, so the body's basically garbage, it's not that important, this part of me's not even gonna live on for eternity, and it really just wants to do lots of bad things, and so I really just don't even need to pay attention to the body, and can I tell you, that's incorrect. The sin nature has more to do with our thinking Carnality has to do with our thinking and self-gratification. It, it's not about how we care for and treat the body because the Bible says you were created in whose image? Come on, you were created in whose image? God's. And God exists in how many? Three. God the, God the, God the. Okay, and you were created in his image. Did you know you also were created in three? You have a body. You have a a mind, a soul, emotions, feelings, thoughts, and you have a spirit, a part of you that connects with God and communes with God. And so you're, listen to me, true life, I wish I'd figured this out sooner, but this, this is a gift. This matters to God. It was his idea to give you a body. Can I hear an amen? It is a gift. He, he wants us to cherish it, care for it, love it. And as I'm saying that, some of you are like, well, that just kind of feels dirty. But it's not. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. Say amen if you're getting it. So when, if, you, if you actually study the Old Testament as God is forming his people, forming the Israelites, he, he goes to great measures, painstaking measures to help them build rhythms around their body. He says, hey, here's what you eat and when you eat. And then I want you to make sure that you sleep. And also, you need to have some rhythms of work. Come on, everybody. Like, you don't need to be a workaholic, but you do need to do some work. Baby Boomer said. I guess we don't have any of those. And, and then we gotta have some, some movement, some, some activity, some exercise. I just wanna confess to you this morning, I'm really good at the first two. I got, I got those. I'm marginally good at the third one. I hate that one. <laughs> Anybody else? Hey, like some people like to sweat. I'm like, what is wrong with you? It's one of the whole reasons I like living here. Left Florida to live here. You know why? I don't want to sweat. 
walk outside and stuff just goes and sticks to you. No, thank you. Mm-mm. Give me some snow. Give me some cold weather. Give me a wind chill. I don't want to hear about the heat index. I want to hear what the wind chill is. But hey, it's not just that you eat and sleep. It's, it's, it's what you eat and when you eat. And making sure that, hey, I'm, I'm building some rhythms, setting some boundaries around loving this body that God gave me and caring for it as best I can. During our 21 days of prayer and fasting, I was able to break my sugar addiction, processed sugar. Can I tell you my mind cleared up as I put less sugar into my body? It was amazing. I had some key lime pie on my birthday. It was fantastic. And I'm still letting, so like I'm letting myself now one day. On Fridays, my wife and I watch a movie together. We eat popcorn and I eat a peanut butter cup. But then I'm not doing processed sugar the rest of the time. Like that's it. And I I just don't need it. And I've been able to kind of, and I feel, I feel better. I have, um, some of you know I had some issues with my hip. Um, It's, a rare osteoarthritis that's aggressive at a young age. And so uh, I had a doctor say like, hey dude, this is beyond preservation. When it hurts so bad you can't take it anymore, we're gonna replace that thing. But as I've taken sugar out, inflammation has gone down, I feel better. I'm paying attention to what's going into my body. I got off, I'm not taking a single painkiller right now, none. Because I'm learning how to work in concert with the Holy Spirit to care for the body that that he gave me. I wish I'd have figured it out sooner, but I'm thankful I'm figuring it out now. And it's, hey, y'all, we need to do that. Can I get an amen this morning? So do I have healthy rhythms around eat? Do I have healthy rhythms around sleep? Uh, Scientists are now saying you need to learn how to listen to your body. Everybody needs somewhere between six and 10 hours a night. They used to just say eight for everybody. It's actually not true. They're saying between six and 10, depending on who you are, to be healthy. And then you need to work. Because when you don't, you'll sit around and be like, why does my life stink? Well, your life stinks because you don't work. And then you gotta figure out, how do I have some activity? I, I am not your example on this one, but when I figure it out, I will tell you. I need to learn from some of y'all. I know there's a workout small group. Don't invite me, I'm not coming. So we need some body rhythms, amen? And we, need, we also need some spiritual rhythms. This is kind of that first quadrant on the, on the development of our faith. And so we, I think most of us understand, I need to have some rhythms around prayer. I, I need to have some rhythms around scripture reading and, and study and, and, and memories. Actually, most of us read. I wanna encourage you to think about taking the next step. What does it look like to find ways to study? Really understand what you're reading. And then memorize. That's why David said, I've hidden your word in my heart, God. Because I don't want to sin against you. I want it in me. I want it a part of me. And then we also need like some discipleship and some formation. We need some people pouring into. You're doing a spiritual rhythm by coming to church this weekend. And we need some community. We need some other people in our lives who are following the Lord, learning how to walk with him. Okay, so here, let me wrap it up. I'm going a little over. Because here's the one that we don't ever spend enough time talking about in church. You need body rhythms, you need spiritual rhythms. You also need some soul rhythms. You need some soul, like, how do I just get okay? How do I calm my mind down? How do I see things with, with, with clarity? And it was, as if, it was as if God like wasn't gonna let me share this with you this morning without making me experience it this week. Because we had this big old marriage conference last weekend. We had all these guests and people that we were hosting and our team just crushed it. I mean, just amazing. But I, I was in here Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I, I, y'all, I just had conference hangover. Like I was in a fog and I'm thinking like, I gotta preach Sunday. I'm preaching. But I was just like, anybody else ever felt like a zombie? Like that's, that's just, I was just like, I don't know what I'm a, 
Jesus. Give your hearts to Jesus. Amen. Piano player, come. Like, that's where I was at. I was just, like, I had nothing. And then I started to have some idea, like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is where I'm supposed to go. But I just couldn't get clarity. Couldn't get clarity. And so um, Thursday, I went to Jared, our tech arts director, and I was like, he does this, make sure all the slides are here. And so I have to have my notes to him, usually by Tuesday. So Thursday afternoon, I'm like, Jared, I'm stuck, dude. I'm stuck. What's it look like if I don't have this to you till Saturday? And he's like, oh, it's fine. I was actually planning to do some stuff on Saturday anyway. And um, so Friday, for me, is my Sabbath. Which is, you don't have to have a Sabbath to make God love you, but it is a biblical principle that if you honor it, if you bring it into your life, God will use it to bring health and wholeness and blessing into your life. The same way we tithe, it's, it's amazing. God does more with 90% than I could do with 100. And I've found that when I have a rhythm of rest and Sabbath, I take one day a week. Come on, what did God do? He, he created for six days and on the seventh day he did what? He rested. When I have one day a week where I intentionally and aggressively remove work from my life, I'm better, I'm healthier. So Friday for me is Sabbath. I rest, I hang out with my wife. Kids were out of school this week, so I hung out with them. Watched a movie, ate my peanut butter cup. Saturday morning, I came downstairs, grabbed my laptop, sat down in a chair in our family room. Y'all, 30 minutes, boom. Clarity. Pounded out the rest of what I'm sharing with you right now. It was in that day of just rest and turning it all off, stepping away. Saturday morning, I woke up with just complete clarity. All I had to do was sit down and type out what was going on in my heart and in my head. So I understand that if you're sitting here today, you're going, well, that's easy for you, Pastor. Like you lead the church and you can just pick your day off or whatever. I'm, I'm glad you have a, good for you, pastor. You have your Sabbath on Friday. Congratulations. I have a real job. I don't have that. And can I just tell you, before I pastored the church, I was in a secular environment. It was go, 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 corporate sales. So I, I do understand the difficulty of creating a Sabbath rhythm in your life. I don't have a silver bullet for you on how to do it. I just want to tell you that just because it's hard, that doesn't mean you shouldn't pursue it. Because it's healthy and God will honor it. So what would it look like for you to try to figure out every seven days, how do I get one day, 24 hours, where I intentionally and aggressively disconnect from work? And that doesn't mean that you can't ever respond to an emergency. There's even an illustration of this in the scripture when the, the religious leaders are trying to get Jesus, they're mad because they're doing some stuff on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, hey, if your donkey falls in a ditch on the Sabbath, you're just going to leave it there to die? Or are you going to go get it? And they're like, well, we'll go get it. But you need to have very clear boundaries on what's an emergency and what's not. So I just want to encourage you to have that conversation with yourself, with your family. How do we create a rhythm of rest? Sabbath, because it's good for your soul. This is how you care for your soul. And, and then I, I want to tell you, like this is going to be some of y'all's favorite Sunday ever. Figure out how to relax. Some of y'all just need to relax. You're just wound so stinking tight, man. It's like, stop it. Tell you what, I, same thing a doctor's told me when I thought I was having heart problems. Dr. Zhang, she's a little Chinese lady, and she's pointed her finger at me like this. She said, your heart's fine. You need to learn how to chill out. Take a vacation. Rest. Relax. Y'all, as your pastor, as, as under shepherd, hey sheep, take a vacation. Can I hear an Amen. Take a vacation. 
Relax. Find a hobby. Find something. That, I have a, our family goes RVing. And you know, you know, one of the best parts of having the RV for me is not the travel. It's the tinkering. I've had some of the sweetest moments with the Lord, some of the best clarity that he's ever given me while I'm laying on the ground underneath of a trailer with a wrench in my hand. And he's, we're just talking. We're just hanging out. Relax. Come on, look at the person next to you and just tell them, relax. Just relax. Take a vacation. All right. So here's the one that none of us do. And I would argue that you're not even going to be able to do this one unless you move past the wall and begin to take the inner journey. Solitude. I was 42 years old before I ever had my first encounter with solitude. And it came after doing a lot of work processing through my past, trauma, emotional health. And some of y'all are like, I don't need all that touchy-feely stuff. Y'all just need to suck it up. No. You saying that is your coping mechanism because you have a lot of garbage under there and you actually need to stop sucking it up and deal with your junk. Don't come at me, bro. <laughs> the idea of solitude was, was terrifying to me. I'm socially wired, strength in numbers. I got too much of my identity and security out of feeling like people like me. But at the end of our sabbatical last summer, I felt this craving inside of me to just go be alone. Even some of the religious stuff I grew up in was like, you can't go be alone because you'll sin. You'll do stupid things by yourself. And I would say to you, not if you move past the wall. And I, it took me about a day and a half I sat in, a, in our trailer in the woods in silence, it took about a day and a half for all the noise to settle down. And then I just started getting clarity about things I needed to do, where God wanted to take our church, how to be a, a better husband, a better father. I started identifying little patterns in my thinking and processing through things that I'd never processed. Just, just started getting clarity. And I would argue you won't be able to do this until you start getting past that wall. Take the inward journey. And now I tell all of our staff who work here, one day a month, I want you to go have a solitude day. Go get alone somewhere in silence, just you and Jesus. And rest. And just be with him. My staff told me, this was awesome. They said, hey, pastor, we need you to go take a personal solitude retreat four times a year because you get kind of grouchy. You're all up in our face. But when you came back from solitude, you had so much clarity and we were so fired up to follow everything that you were saying. So leave. We got this. Leave. Again, I understand my role description and the freedom I have are maybe different than yours, and I know that all of that is because of you, and so I don't take it for granted, and I'm extremely grateful. And I, Are y'all okay with the fact that we're doing that, that we're making it a priority in our church to, to have good, healthy soul rhythms? If not, just leave a comment on a connection card. We'll have a bonfire later. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, have you noticed... That as this sat in solitude, what happened? Some stuff floated to the top. Most of it sank to the bottom. And here in the middle, clarity came back. So Ruth Haley Barton says, in solitude, all the sediment settles. So you can have clarity again. I want you to have some healthy rhythms with your body. I want you to have some healthy rhythms with your spiritual formations. And I want you to start taking your soul seriously. 
Because you don't need to come to church every week and be told what to do. You need to come to church for corporate learning and community. But you need to get healthy in your walk with the Lord because every minute of every day, he's trying to tell you what to do. Come on, can I get an amen, somebody? And I want you to experience that. That's what Paul says. He said, you'll, know, you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, perfect. Stand to your feet with me if you would. I went about five minutes over, so I just want to say if you need to leave, leave. I get it. I understand. Ain't no football to watch. I don't know where you're going, but if you need to leave, leave. Um, before we bow our heads, at, in every seat is a connection card and an offering envelope. If you feel led to give today, you can drop that in the box. There's also a way to give online or text to give. Those options are available to you. That connection card's a great way to let us know. Um, maybe you have questions about small groups or how to get more involved with the church. Communicate that with us. Maybe today's message kind of resonates with you and you need to sit with somebody and process through it. We, we want to do that for you. I want to make that available to you. So leverage those tools, especially if you're a first-time guest. We'd love to know that you are here and connect with you and serve you any way that we can. Now, would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I admit that today's message is kind of tailor-made for a person who's already in relationship with Jesus. So if you're here today or watching online and you have not surrendered your life to Jesus yet, I hope that this hasn't created any kind of confusion for you. In fact, what I hope it's done is made you realize like, oh my gosh, my life could be better with Jesus. Because it will be. And if you lack clarity, I would argue you will never have clarity without Jesus. Like that's, that's step number one. And he gave his life so that you could be in relationship with him and live that rich and satisfying life that he has for you. So if you're in the room today or watching online and just say, hey, Pastor Michael, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I know I need one. And today's the day I'm ready. I wanna begin a relationship with him. If that's you, would you just, won't call you to the front or anything, but would you just wave your hand at me and just say, hey, hey, that's me. I need to, I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. Anybody? Just wave it at me real quick. Anybody at all? If you're watching online at home, I can't see you, but Jesus can. You can just raise your hand there. Okay. I didn't see any hands, but just in case, or for those watching online, if you need to make a decision today to follow Jesus, just tell him. Just say, Jesus, today, I'm surrendering to you. I believe you died on a cross for my sin. And I don't want to do life without you anymore. So please forgive me. Take over my life. I surrender it to you. I choose you as Lord and Savior from this day forward. And thank you that because of this, one day, I'll spend eternity with you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Prayer team, you can come to the front. I'm going to dismiss you in just a second, but if you need prayer, uh, you're welcome to come pray with our prayer team about anything going on in your life. It doesn't have to be related to today's message. But before we do that, before we release for that, let me, just, let me just ask this question. How many of you today would say, Pastor Michael, I, I need clarity in my life. And I need some soul rhythms and some, some body rhythms and spirit rhythms. Would you just, just put your hand up for a second? Just hold them up there for a second. So, Okay, yeah, a whole bunch of us. So I want to pray over you, but I want to tell you this, you're going to have to do something. I don't have a silver bullet prayer for you on this. You're going to have to do some work. And I'm just telling you, as you lean into this, God's going to respond. He's going to meet you right where you're at. And he's going to help you with it. So Heavenly Father, you, you saw those hands that were raised just now. So many of us, we're in a season of life where we are struggling with clarity. It's just the noise 
of everything around us. Some of us, we're not eating well, we're not sleeping well. We're not working well. We're not active, we're not not caring for our bodies. So God, I pray you would just give us clarity on that. Help us develop a plan, some healthy boundaries so that we can pursue health. We all said we want more healthy people, healthy relationships in our lives. So help us, God, in that area. Some of us today, we need to, we need to set some guidelines some, around some spiritual rhythms and we just need to come back to you and spend some time in your word and in prayer. We need to make church attendance a bigger priority. We need to get into a group. We need to get into community. We need to experience discipleship. So God, help us to put some boundaries around that. But God, I, I, pr- I pray most of all for the, the one I'm concerned the most about today, God, is our soul. I know so many of us are just ignoring this part of ourselves and it's, it's so detrimental. So I, I pray, God, help us to be creative, to think about Sabbath and rest. Help us think about how to step away and disengage from work and the world and relax, take some time away. Make it possible for people, God. I pray you supernaturally bless people. Give them creativity around how to make this happen. And and God, I pray some of us would even find ourselves as we take this journey into what you have for us. Creating some space to just sit in silence and to be alone with you in solitude. Everybody's rhythms are gonna look a little different. God, I pray you would just help each and every person to find the rhythm that you have for them so that we can continue to grow in our faith, to mature, to become the people that you've asked us and called us to be. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. I hope this helped you today. I know it's not the most exciting message, but if I have to choose between exciting you and helping you, I think I'll go with helping. Does this resonate with anybody at all? Okay, I hope it helps, all right. So let me pray a prayer of blessing over you. The worship band's gonna sing. You're officially dismissed. If you need prayer, please come forward. I'm gonna come down here and join these guys and we'd love to come into agreement with you, pray over anything going on in your life. Lord, I love you. Thank you for your people. Bless them and keep them, God, as we head out into our weeks. We pray for clarity in Jesus' name in every area of our life and we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.